Well, man, it's going to be a good day. Hey, I'm I'm very excited uh, for us as a church. If you were here last week, um, I think it was a very big turning point for our church last week. And if you aren't here, I'd encourage you at some point to go back and listen to last week's sermon. Uh, but one of the big things for us is that we feel like we're, we're running into a new season that God has for us. And um, we want to be a place where God is working through us, not where God is just working in individually in us, but a place that is reaching out and seeing people's lives changed, amen? We believe that we wanna see this be a place and we believe that God wants it to be a place where where we reach the lost, where we begin to see people find healing in Jesus, where we begin to see depression broken over people's lives, where we begin to see marriages restored. And my belief is this, is that we're called to be a part of it, amen? Our mentality as a church, if you want to know just kind of one of the the ways that we approach stuff here is um, that we approach the idea of ministry in this church in the way of like a teaching hospital. Um, and you think about it like this, uh, there's, there's two different aspects of things, right? There's a hospital, right? And then there on the other side, there is um, a university. And the university teaches people, a hospital begins to see people um, find healing and restoration in their lives, right? And we believe there's that, there's that marriage of things sometimes where there is a place where there is healing and restoration and hope going. But among that, right, there's also people that are involved that are getting trained up and becoming new doctors and new people that are getting to be a part of that. And that's what we feel like this church is, is we want to equip you to begin to see lives change and want to see God work through your life. We want to see God begin to work in you, but not only in you, but begin to work through you. And so that's the way that we approach this and we're ready to see God work among us. We want to see God work here. God's moving in and through a group, I think this is interesting, is, um, is not accidental, the way that when God works in among a group, it's not accidental. I think we, so many times we have this wrong mentality that God's movement um, has nothing to do with us. That it's all just purely a work of God and there's nothing that, that, we, that we have to add to that or to work in that or to do anything in that. And, and I've heard, I've watched, I've watched umpteen TikToks where people will say that or people will say that and it's just, it's just not true. When we begin to read scripture, what we begin to see is that God usually moves and follows people who prepare themselves to be used by God. He works in and through people that are preparing themselves and that that say, God, come and work among us. God, God, do something among us. In other words, I would tell you this, is that it's not accident, it's not by chance, it's not random, but God moves among people who prepare themselves to be used by him. You think about it this way, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, um, one of the verses that I, that I love so much, it says this, it says, it's talking about the Israelites and where they were about to go to battle and, and that God was wanting to work among them. And he says this thing that's so beautiful. He says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love that mentality, that God is looking for people whose hearts are prepared to be used by God. And here would be my hope, is that we would be a church that God's eyes don't have to run too far, right? That we would be a church that when God would look among us, he would say, those are people whose hearts are committed to him and I can do work among those people. That's what I would love for us to be. One of the stories I love the most um, is the story of Joshua and the people of Israel in the Bible. And so there's this, 
The place where for, uh, that God had promised them the, this land that they just creatively called the promised land. And uh, God had given it to them that they were going to walk into it. But they, they had been kept out for a while because of their unbelief and their lack of faith and some things that had happened. But there was this moment where, where they were ready to go in and take this land. That God was ready to give it to them. And so God sent Joshua, the leader of the people, to come and, and tell them to prepare themselves. And one of the things I love is the way that he talks about it in Joshua 3.5. It says, then Joshua said to the people, And this is as they're preparing tomorrow to go into the promised land. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now the word consecrate, that's not one that we usually use very much. So what does consecrate mean? Well, consecrate has a couple meanings to it. One of them is, is to be set apart, that you are set apart to be used, that you are, that you are set a, a different person, that, that you set yourself apart to be used by God. So that's part of the meaning. And the other part of it is the way that you do that is you begin to purify yourself, so that, you begin to, that you begin to set your heart set to God, that you begin to get yourself right to be used by God. And so my statement to us today is the same as I would say that it was to Joshua then is this, is that I believe that God is wanting to do something among the people of Grace Hills. And my heart would be this, is let's consecrate ourselves today for tomorrow the Lord is gonna do wonders among us. How do we become people that say, I wanna be, I wanna be used by God. I, I don't wanna just come into a building, build head knowledge and get really good theology. Like this is not seminary, <laughs> Right? This is not where we just come and we, we build knowledge, but this is a place where the people of God come and that God meets us here and he works among us and that he does something among us. And the way that we prepare ourselves to do it is that we consecrate, that we set ourselves apart, that we, that we purify ourselves. And I believe fullheartedly that God wants to see people find freedom from addiction here. Those are wonders that he wants to do among us. That he wants to see people find purpose for their life, people to find healing from, from sexual abuse, people to find that were maybe restless to begin to find purpose in Jesus. And that's what God wants to do wonders among us. And but where it begins is with you and me saying, I'm gonna set myself apart to be used by God. I'm gonna consecrate my life. Now, let me pause here for just a second because some of you hear these words, set yourself apart, you hear the words, purify yourself, get ready to be used by God. And all you can think about is the list of reasons why God couldn't use you. Anybody else ever been there? Yeah, you begin to think of all the things that you got and it's almost like the enemy comes into your, it's almost like those old cartoons, right? Where you got God over here, I wanna use you. And then all of a sudden that little devil comes up here and it's like, but do you remember? Right? It begins to almost give you this list of things and these, these ways that you don't measure up and the reasons why God could never actually use you. Remind you of the sin that you're dealing with. Remind you of your past. But what I love about the idea of consecration is that it has nothing to do with your past and it has everything to do with your future. When he says, hey, you have been really, really good, so tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Right? If you actually know this story, what we said earlier is that the Israelites were kept out of the promised land that God had for them because they were not, they had lack of faith and they weren't following God and they weren't doing the right thing. And so if you want to look at this, like their past says, no, you can't be used by God in the future. 
right? If that's the mentality that they want to have, but no. He says, no, it's not about your past. Consecrate yourselves now for tomorrow. God's going to do something in you. See, consecration is not about your past, but it's about your future. Some of y'all may even be thrown off by the word purify. Like, how do I even do that? Like, that's, that's crazy. And I, I even think about that word, purify. What does the word purify imply? It implies that there are some imperfections, right? It doesn't say stay clean so God's going to use you, right? But it says purify yourselves. It means, hey, there's, there's some stuff we need to deal with. There's some things that we need, to, we need to clean up. But when you do, God can begin to use you. I'd even say it to you this way. There is not a single person in the Bible that God uses that does not have an objectionable past to him. There's not a single person in this whole entire book that God came and used them because they had it all figured out and they were right and they didn't make any mistakes. But what does the Bible say? It says, for all were sinners, that we all were sinners. But Christ came to die for us. God used them all. You think about it, how God takes a prostitute named Rahab and uses her because of his, her faith. God takes a murderer named Paul and and begins to use him. Like, like here's what I want you to understand, and this is huge, is that God does not use those who have a clean past, but those who have a heart that is submitted to him. Some of y'all need to read this again. God does not use those who have a clean past, but those who have a heart that is submitted to him. And every time the enemy brings up to you all the things that you, reasons why God couldn't use you and the reasons why that you're not good enough to be used by God, those are actually things that God can use to make a difference through you if you'll give it to him. Right, there's that old saying that, that, your, that your past becomes your testimony of how God is good. I'll give you one example. I, I know a a guy that I know who is probably one of the most impactful people that is used by God in a huge way um, is this guy who um, was a pastor and then he got into pornography. It ended in adultery and it resulted in the loss of his marriage in a place where he was so distraught that he wanted to commit suicide and, and attempted that and it was a horrible deal, right? And, and you would look at a guy like that and say, well, there's like strike, 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 strike. God can never use this guy. But God redeemed him. God, I love the words that he uses. He says that God resurrected him, that God, the person that he was, that God changed it and, and brought new life in him. And we're probably 15 years down the road from that situation and that whole blow up. And I'll tell you right now that that guy um, is probably one of the most used by God people that I've ever met in my life. He's seeing people that are locked up in that addiction. He's able to tell them that God did something inside of me and I was at the pit. But let me tell you how God pulled me out and he can do it inside of you too. And so what happened? Well, what happened is that his past, God became in, consecrated, used him, redeemed him, right? And now it's used being able to be a testimony in his life. That's what we're supposed to be. It's the same in the story of, of Paul in the Bible. I love the way that Paul talks about it. We think about Paul. He wrote the, um, out of all the writers in the New Testament, he wrote the most books of the, of the New Testament. Amazing guy. Guy that shaped our theology probably the most other than Jesus. Like this is a guy who is influential. But he comes in and he talks about his difficulty. And I love the way he talks about it. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He says, he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. And I love this. He says, even though 
I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Some of y'all need to see this word, even though. Like, you need to have an even though moment in your life where you realize that I, yeah, this is who I was, but even though I had these mistakes, God still wanted to use me, amen? And he goes on, he says, in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God, best two words in the whole entire Bible. I screwed up, but God, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, he says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then this guy who's used by God, amazing ways, uh, and I am the worst of them all, but God used me. And he finishes off, he said, but God had mercy on me. And I love this. If you don't catch anything else today, catch this. He says, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. He doesn't say, you know, I have this past and luckily God's just gonna overlook it and then, and then he's, and I'm gonna be able to move on and I just hope nobody ever uncovers that. No, he says, look, because of what my past is, now it's become a testimony and I get to be a prime example of how God can work in a life, amen? What he's saying is that God turned his past into his means of impact. That's how he did it. It's not about your past, but it's about your future. So whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you've walked through, whatever situation you're in, whatever, when I said God wants to use you and then I talked about the list of things where you can't be used, right? And when that enemy brought that into your mind when I said that, all of those things, and you begin to go down the checklist of things that you have, uh, I want you to know that doesn't matter. God wants to use you. God wants to work in your life. Don't believe the enemies, the, lie, uh, the, the lies that the enemy will tell you to try to sideline you. The enemy can't destroy you. He can't remove God's calling on your life. So the best thing that he can do is try to get you to live in shame so that way you never walk into what God has for you. That's what he does for a lot of us. He just gets us to live in shame so we don't do the things that God calls us to do. But God wants to work through your life. And the way we prepare ourselves to be used by God is through, once again, consecration. Consecration. By, by purifying ourselves, by setting ourselves up to be used by God, by committing that my past will not be my future. That's how we begin to change. So today and over the next two weeks, what we're going to journey through as a church is how do we begin to consecrate ourselves? If we truly believe that God wants to use us, that God wants us to reach the city, that God wants to see people find restoration and hope and healing um, through this church, how do we begin to set ourselves up to our place to be used by God? Because I believe that we're at this shifting moment in this church where we have set a foundation where God has worked among us, but now it's time for us to begin to see God do things through us. And so how do we prepare ourselves to be used by God? And so we're gonna be in this series that we're calling this Preparing for Wonders. Joshua said, consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow God's gonna do wonders among you. How do we prepare ourselves for wonders today? And, and similar to the, what Joshua said, that's, that's my heart for us. Is like, let's walk into this and prepare ourselves to be used by God. Now, when we hear the word purify, um, that sounds super intimidating, like I said a while ago. And I think it sounds a little bit difficult, but what I want you to understand over the next couple of weeks is that it is not intimidating at all. 
and that God sets out some simple steps um, for us to walk in to begin to be consecrated for him. Uh, And I think sometimes in church what we do as we come in here and we use very general, broad terms and we say, purify yourselves. And then we go, I don't know how to do that. And we walk out and like, ah, oh, that, sounds, that sounds intense, right? But God's practical. What I love in his word is that he's very practical how he leads us through this. And so we're gonna help you with that. And so today, what I wanna talk about for just a couple minutes is this, is confession. Everybody say confession. Confession, confession. A lot of people think confession and repentance are the same thing um, and they're completely different things. We're actually gonna talk about repentance next week, which is the way that you find transformation in your life. But today I wanna talk about confession. And frankly, we as modern Christians have lost the importance of confession. We've lost it. I think, I think for a few reasons. I think one of the reasons is that we feel like God already knows what we've, what we've done and the imperfections in our life, so it doesn't matter, right? Because God already knows. But it's not about him knowing, but it's about the process that it does inside of you. We're gonna talk about that in a second. It's important. And I'll, I'll just tell you this. I've dealt with a lot of people, like as a, as a pastor, I get to deal with a lot of people that are walking through sin. And I, the the usually the defining factor that I see so many times with people that find freedom and people that don't are the people that are able to confess and get honest about where they're at. So if you want to know the trick, that's the trick. That's where I find so many times. So I, I think that's one reason why we've lost it though is because, because we feel like God already knows. I'll tell you a second one that I think we've lost it is that um, confession, back in the day, the Catholic church had this idea that confession went through a priest and you'd go to a priest and you'd tell this priest and that he would go to God and there was this intermediary. And then in the Reformation, we, we stopped that and we said, no, you can go directly to God. You don't have to have an intermediary between you. God listens to you. You can pray directly to God. And, and I think we took that and we lost the idea of confession because we saw this now as just a as a as a catholic thing but i'm gonna tell you today it's a god thing and it's important for your life we need to understand that and we're gonna we're gonna walk through that today i actually called somebody uh, yesterday as a pastor friend of mine and i was like um i was like he's like what are you preaching on i said i'm preaching on confession he's like you going catholic on us um (laughs) but no it's an important thing See, here's the purpose of confession. I wrote this this week. This isn't the biblical definition, but I think maybe this will help you understand it. This is what I wrote this week is this. Is that confession is being honest about your past so you can find strength for freedom in your future. Big word, honest. Confession is being honest about your past so you can find strength for your futures. See, confession is wanting to change so much that you finally get honest about where you are. Confession is honesty. Uh, you, and uh, it's so important. You think about even, even AA, I, one of the, the terms that they use that's so helpful is where they'll talk about that the, something like the first step to fixing a problem is admitting that you have a problem. Right, and I think that's a step that we as Christians miss a lot of times. We, we like to just kind of move around our stuff and we have like a lot of issues that are running in the background of our lives that we haven't gotten honest about yet. It's almost like a virus on your computer. You know how you can have a virus on your computer and it just runs in the background. It's slowing things down. It's messing things up. But, yeah, but, it, but it just kind of runs on the background. It's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, and you don't really acknowledge it. And then you finally go to a person like, well, you got 8,000 viruses on your computer. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Uh, but I think that's the way we deal with sin sometimes. We got all this stuff just running in the background. 
We're not honest about it. We don't deal with it. It's just running back there, slowing us down, messing up, and causing havoc in our lives. We've got anger problems. We're just running in the background of our lives, and we're not dealing with it. We've got greed that's affecting our relationships, and it's just running in the background of our lives. We've got gossip it's running in the background of our lives, causing destruction. We aren't being honest about it, so we're not finding freedom from it. The truth is, is that if you're going to find freedom from something, you've got to get honest about it. I love the way that John talks about this. This is probably a, a passage that we're going to look into here for a second that is so powerful. And it's John, one of the disciples of Jesus. And he's talking about how do we follow Jesus and how do we know Jesus. And he gets really intense about this. And he begins to talk about the honesty that we need to have in confession. So 1 John 1, he begins to talk about this and he says it this way. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Now, I love this because he says, if you lie about your sin, the only person that you are fooling is yourself. If you think that everybody else is in ignorance about your sin, then you're the one who's ignorant, right? Like, like we're, we think we're clever, but we're not. I think a lot of times what we end up being is we're like that kid who has um, chocolate on their face, right? And you go up to them like, did you get in the candy jar? And they're like, no. And it's like the only person who doesn't think, that thinks that they're hiding it is that kid right? And that's the way we are sometimes. He says this, if we claim we have sin and no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. You're not actually hiding it. And he goes on, but he says this, but he says, but if we confess our sins, if we get honest about it, if we get truthful about where we are, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Not only, not only just move us past, but to cleanse us from all wickedness. And I love it, he goes on, he says, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. That's intense. I love that verse because it essentially says that uh, acting, like you are not per- or acting like you are perfect is the only way to prove that you're not. Right? Like that, but that's who we are sometimes. And here's the important thing about confession. It's this, is that confession isn't about nailing you for your past. We've all got things in our past. It's about being honest so you can find freedom for your future. Right? What does he say? He says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unwickedness. It doesn't say if we confess our sins and he finally knows about it and he can nail us to the wall because we finally, he, can, he finally has got the proof to nail us. Right? It's not about that at all. It's not about getting you for your past, but it's about being honest so you can find freedom in your future. It has nothing to do with punishment and everything to do with forgiveness and being purified. Mm. Proverbs 28, 13 gives us around the same idea. He says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. That's heavy. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. I love that. Two things in this verse, two big things. One, you will receive mercy. Once again, it's not there to nail you to the wall. It's not about this, this idea of I'm coming and now I'm telling you this, that way you can punish me. It's a, you'll receive mercy. But then the other part of this is that the path to prospering in your life is what? Being honest. Because when you conceal it and cover it up, you will never prosper beyond your sin. But it's when you confess and you get honest about it that you can finally find freedom and hope from it. Amen? See, here's the mindset that we have to change about confession is that we see confession 
as a coming to terms with our past, but God sees it as a pathway to your future. It's not all about this, this finally paying the penalty for your past, but it's about your future. See, we see it in a negative light, but God sees it as a beginning to your freedom. And we've got to change our mindset. And that's a tool of the enemy is he always tries to take the good things of God that he has for us and then tries to take those good things of God and tries to um, put them in negative lights in our minds and in our lives. Uh, You think about conviction. We've talked about this before. But when we feel about conviction, when I do something wrong and there's conviction in my life, then we feel like it's a negative thing. And and it's this thing I gotta hide from and I don't like because I feel conviction. But it's actually a good thing from God where he says, hey, that thing in your life that's not quite right, that's causing destruction, you need to change. And he calls us into who we are. It's not a negative thing at all. But the enemy convinces us that conviction is something that we should go and hide from when God says, no, it's, a, it's the way to move you into life. Same way with boundaries. We feel like boundaries in our life are these things from God, right, that are, that are, that are keeping us built in and like keeping us um, destructive in our life that are keeping us from doing what we want, but they're actually safeguards in our lives. That's what they're there for. And it's the same way with confession. He tries to get us to think of confession in a negative light. You go, well, it's this, this bad thing. You need, to, you need to run from this because, because it's hard. No, it's a good thing that leads you to freedom. And what it does is confession forces you to be honest with yourself, with God, and with others. And all three of those are necessary for your growth. And real quick, we're just gonna talk about how it makes us be honest in all three of those areas. So here's the big point is this, is that we need confession because we need to be honest with ourselves so we can finally deal with our sin. Be honest with yourself so you can finally deal with your sin. See, uh, I've said this before, but ignoring something is not the same thing as dealing with it. A lot of us just ignore things and felt like they're dealt with, but they're not. And a lot of us never find freedom from our sin because we never get honest with ourselves about our sin. So we just set in the cyclical thing where it's like the virus running in the background. We're not getting honest about it. But what confession does is it makes you come to terms with where you are so you can start down the path of freedom in your future. And there's a difference between awareness and confession. And I think a lot of us live our lives in awareness and we feel like that's confession, and it's not. Right? Awareness, we're all aware of our, of our sin. We're all aware of our imperfections, but that's not the point where you actually have to come and get honest with God and actually voice something to God and get honest about it. We just think like, well, I'm aware of this thing and I'm just going to try to ignore it. But no, God wants you to be honest about it because it helps you deal with it. It's kind of like when you get into a fight in a marriage, not that any of you do, but like when you get into a fight in a marriage, I mean, you know, there's that time where you're there. When you're wrong, there's like this awareness of a point like where you realize, oh, shoot, I'm the wrong one in this one, (laughs) right? But there's a difference when you're aware of it and then when you finally become the person that says, all right, I need to to apologize and I need to get honest, right? And, And you talk to your spouse about it. There's a difference in awareness and confession. And I think a lot of us think they're the same thing and we live our lives in awareness of our sin and we wonder why we never find freedom. Well, it's because we've never gotten truthful and honest and brought it to God. Confession forces you to be honest. I wonder how much freedom we could have in our lives if we would be honest. And here's the other thing is that implied confession is not confession. 
implied confession. We think, well, God knows. We're like, oh, I'm just kind of like, well, we're all, we're all aware of it, right? Same thing. No. Once again, in marriage, an implied apology is not an apology. Your spouse will tell you that real fast, right? But you got to voice it. Why? Because it makes you come to terms and be honest. First thing confession does, when you actually walk in confession with God, is it forces you to be honest with yourself about where you're at. Here's the second thing it does is this, is that it gets us to where we're honest with God, and we need to be honest with God so we can experience his healing. Now, you may be like, well, God already knows. Cool, it doesn't matter. Right? He doesn't say, hey, I, I, the things that I do know, I'm going I'm to go ahead and heal you from, and the things that I don't know, I, I need you to confess. No, he knows it all. But it's about the process that it does in you. And there is something miraculous that happens inside of you when you come before God and get honest about your sin. And I say miraculous because in our minds, there should be no difference in God knowing um, because he's watched me and me actually coming up and being honest about it, right? There there's, should be no difference in that. Like, like, why is there a difference? But God does something miraculous inside of you. When you come to him with your sin and you're finally honest about it and you're at that point, I think it's a thing, it's where we're cumbling, coming and humbling ourselves before God. And he says, I I see you and I see you in your brokenness and I'm going to do something miraculous in your life. There's something powerful that happens. See, there's a lot of us that miss it because confession is honesty. Repentance is changing, right? Confession is honesty. Repentance is changing, but we try to skip straight to repentance and changing. And then we wonder why we have mixed results is because we're trying to go at it on our own. It begins with confession of coming and being honest with God, and then we begin to change. Uh, check this verse out again that we read earlier. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they will confess first and turn from them, they will receive mercy. What is that? That is confession and repentance. We're going to talk about that next week, but what I want you to get is it's not just about, oh, I realize that I'm wrong and I'm just going to try to change, but there's something miraculous and powerful that happens in your life when you come to God and you're honest about where you're at, you're honest about your sin, and you come in humility that he does something inside of you. And I can't explain it all. Like, I, 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 there is stuff that God does inside of you that goes beyond explanation, like, we can't come here and just say, like, okay, systematically, this is how everything works, and this is what God does, right? Like, no, I don't know it all, but I know what he says in his word, and he says, when you come to me, and you're honest, and you walk in humility, man, I'm going to do something amazing inside of you. I think a lot of us miss that. I was reading a journal uh, of this book when I was on uh, vacation, and it was so helpful. There was this guy, and he was talking about confession of sins, and he said something in there that was, or the journal was just powerful because it began to list different types of sins. It was like sins of omission and sins of gossiping and sins of, it would go down all this list, and then it had just a little place of journaling where you would fill out, these are things that I haven't confessed yet. And, and it was just powerful to see like that there's a response to confession. Like, God, the Holy Spirit highlights something in me, and then there's a, there's a confession that happens. And let me, let me pause and just say this. I don't mean this in a legalistic way. 
where like, if you don't, if you don't confess that sin, then you're never going to, then, and you don't know about this sin and you didn't confess it, then you're not going to make it to heaven. Like, like there's people in the past that have had that. That's not what we're saying. Like God's, God's grace and God's mercy, man, when you come to him in faith, it covers your sin. You are forgiven. But when you want to begin to move forward and the Holy Spirit highlights something to you, then you confess it and bring it to him. Then it's the pathway forward. And now let me set some of your minds at ease too, and maybe this will be helpful for you. Because maybe some of you are like, I don't even know what I'll have done, all this stuff. I'm not saying you need to go back in your history and like read your journal and be like, oh, that was a sin. Like, and come do that. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I would tell you. Is that I bet as you, if you genuinely want to walk and see God work in your life, and you say, God, help me consecrate myself. I bet you, the Holy Spirit, who is the one who brings conviction. Bible says that he makes us aware of our sin. He'll come in and there'll be something that's highlighted in your heart and you'll go, oh, I missed it there. Oh, I didn't do quite right there. And instead of wallowing in shame, trying to ignore it, letting it be a reason that you think God can't use you, letting it just derail you and send you farther into sin, what you're called to do at that moment is say, wow, yeah, thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. And then you bring it to God and say, God, man, I did this. I ask for your forgiveness. And I've asked that you would just help me overcome this. I'm sorry that I walked through that. And God, I want to I wanna be used by you. God, will you just, will you work in my life in this area? That's what it is. It's not a legalistic way. When we begin to come to God, I think something powerful happens. We will never find freedom in our lives until we first get honest with God about where we are. Then here's the third thing is this, is we also need, it helps us get honest with each other. We need to be honest with each other so we can help each other find freedom. Now, once again, I'm not saying like you need to, we're going to have a parade up here and an open mic where you all need to come up and confess all your sins this morning. <laughs> like, be wise. Like, there are people in your life that God's put in your life to be people that journey it out with you. So I'm not telling you you need to go blast on Facebook a, a bulleted list of all the sins that you committed. But there are people in your life that God has put in your life to help you journey and find freedom in your life. Amen? When the Bible talks about us finding out about other people's sins, I love the way that it talks about it, is it talks about seeking to restore them, talks about helping them, talks about bearing their burdens. Um, I'm in a, well, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I'm in a unique position as a pastor where um, I have people that will come and confess sin to me um, and just say, like, I'm dealing with this. I got to figure out how to go through this. And when people come to me, I, there's usually two things that I'll tell them, and it's because it's just a in my DNA and who, how I see people. And it's two things that I'll tell them. The first thing is I'll tell them is I love you. I love you. Um, uh, people need to understand that their sin doesn't scare us off, right? And let me say this to you. I think a lot of times we think our sin will scare people off, but it doesn't at all. People have compassion in the heart of God for you. The first thing I always tell people is I love you. And the second thing I always tell them is this, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. It's not that I wanna help you overcome this, that, that we're going to journey this together, that we're going to, I'm going to come alongside you and help pull you along, and we're going to begin to find freedom in this. And see, confession is the avenue to getting people on your team, and you need people on your team. Amen? See, that's the mentality we should walk in as a church. And let me say this to you. As we have people that are dealing with things, we need to be people that are on each other's team in pursuit of freedom. If somebody comes to you and is dealing with something, our response should be, I'm on your team. 
Let's work this out. Let's help you find freedom. Let's like walk this out together. Can you imagine what would happen if we were a church on each other's team in the pursuit of finding freedom in God? Amen? See, once again, we come to this idea that confession is not negative. And we look at it so many times in this negative context of it's a disclosing of all the things that I've done to you and so you can look at me different and I'm finally being honest. But no, it's this, I'm coming to you and I'm laying this out before you because I need some help. To God, it's I'm coming to you, God, and I need some help. In confession to each other, it's I'm putting this out in front of you. Will you help me? And we've gotten, we've been so lied to by the enemy that it's this negative thing. And to me, what that shows me is that it's got power in it. Because he's not going to take time to completely shift our mindset on something that really has no power in it at all. But confession does. And he's got us in a warped mindset that makes us run from help when God says, hey, there are people to help you in your life. Amen. Here's what happens. As we begin to to be people that are obedient in confession is that we start on a path of freedom and it puts us in a position where God can use us. And we want to be a church that is not a social club. We got plenty of those in Bentonville. Like we're the number one nonprofit area in the country. We got, all, we got plenty of social clubs, plenty of, we got plenty of charities. We got all those type of things. We don't need another charity. That's not what this is. But it's a place of freedom where God is moving. And that's what we want to be. And the entry point to that journey is honesty that leads to freedom. And as we begin to walk that road, we will be, once again, like Joshua, in wonder of the things that God begins to do among us. Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So my question for us today is this, is do we desire for God to do wonders among us enough that we are willing to get honest about our sin today and deal with it? And my heart is this, I I don't want to come into this building for 30 years and just uh, teach you a class about this this is what the Bible says, but I want you to meet God. I want you to know God. I want you to work in your life. I want, want as you walk through the day of your life, that as you're in your truck, that God is working in your life. I want to see you be a a better husband because you're empowered by God. I want to see you overcome anger and fear and gossip. I want to see depression lift off of your life. And the path that happens is when we begin to find freedom in him and consecrate our lives, that God will work among us. And when we become people that are walking in confession, repentance, and freedom, we will be amazed by what God does among us. I'll say it this way. There has never been a people group in entire history that have consecrated their lives to God and God hasn't shown up and moved among them. We're going to take God at his word. We're going to say, God, if that's true, we want you to move among us. So my question for you again, are you willing to deal with your sin today so God can do wonders among us tomorrow? And I want to see lives changed, marriages restored, things happen in people's lives. So I'll just tell you, that's my heart, as I come and say, let's be a church that God's using. The place that it begins today is confession. Amen? Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you for one second. Hmm. God, uh, 
we thank you that you are a God that we can be honest with. That you're not a God who is angry and mad and just wants to pour out wrath on us, but that you are a God who sent your son to die in our place so that way we could find forgiveness and healing and resurrection in you. So God, I pray today that we will be a church and be people that take you at your opportunity. The opportunity that you've given us to find healing and freedom and restoration. Holy Spirit, I ask that as maybe as we're in this building, there's some things that we need to get some help on. That you'll bring those to our mind and that God, that we won't let it sit in the background and ignore it. That we won't have implied confession, but God, that we'll come to you today, some point today, put it at your feet. That we won't be stuck in apathy, right? But that we'll do something. God, I ask you, as we begin to do that, that you will work among us. We humble ourselves, God. We set ourselves apart and say, God, use us. We ask you to work in this church, that you work in our families, that you work at our workplaces, that you begin to do wonders among us. God, we want more. More of you, more of your moving, more of your power in our lives. So today, God, we commit that we'll do what, it, what you called us to do. So that way you will begin to make yourself look strong through us. We thank you for that. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, 